Howdy, y'all! Welcome to Respawn Aimfire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast brought to you by Affable Idiots. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Michael Bind and Super Nintendo World and back in 90s, 80 days, around the world in 80 days, that's the name thing, right? Innis. We've got over here, Adam, put that thing back where it came from, or so help me, Gumbert. How are you, Adam? I'm good. My favorite monster from Monsters Inc. and University is Randall. Here's the joke. Monsters in Monsters Inc. are the people. Boo is the monster. <gasps> Mind blown. What? Whoa. They are scared of her. Soylent That's Green true. is people. And we've also got here Alex. All he wants to do is party all the time. Cozina. How are you, Alex? Rip and tear until it is done. <laughs> Whoa. Yikes. I'm shaking in Spooky. my boobs. Uh, welcome, Whoa. everyone, to Respawning Fire. Today is a very special day. And if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you missed out. Well, you're still getting all the same content, exactly the same as everyone who's listening to it on Wednesday. But you don't get that special feeling in your heart of knowing that today, as we record this right now, is the official six-year anniversary of our podcast. Ba, 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 na, 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 na. Six years to the day, maybe even to the minute. This oh. is weird. Hold on. I'm going to look this up because we took a photo as we were starting to record, and it came up today in my like, look what happened today a thousand years ago. In <laughs> history. In history. <laughs> um, so this might be, let's see, today, see all. Nice. Suck today's neck. That was my that was my mantra for a while. You guys, you guys suck know that? Today's suck today's neck? neck. Yeah, like you're <laughs> like you're a vampire and you're just gonna go out there and you're gonna suck today's neck. Is that a Tracy Morgan joke that I'm unaware of? Or no, that was that's just that's just me, just me. <laughs> Chad Mike in his special. Uh, February twenty sixth, two thousand seventeen. There it is. Wow. 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Okay, so we're, wow. we're still an hour away. By the time we end, we'll be there. Yeah, by the time we end, we will be there. Six years. Six years, bitches, says Adam Gumby in the chat. Do you remember, do you remember what you talked about on the first episode, Chad? Um, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was an awful, awful episode. Really? So, in the spirit of celebration... Knowing that we, well, six years ago, also, we were officially called Split Screen Gaming Podcast, which we, I mentioned to Alex and Adam beforehand was, we were like, oh, surely no one's going to confuse Split Screen Gaming Podcast with Split Screen Podcast from Kotaku. Those are obviously very unique and separate things. Did, did Kotaku's podcast exist at that time, though? It did. It did. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. But they were also split space screen podcast, and we were split screen mm, all one word. word with inner caps. So, uh, yeah. So we we now are definitely our very own thing. Respawn Aim Fire. Uh, it's been six years. A lot has happened in six years. And in fact, because of that, I want to do a quick little segment from Adam. Segment from oh. Adam. Segment from Adam. We're going to do a little segment from Adam in the Game on Game Show style. Uh, and it's going to be hosted by me. So it has nothing to do with Adam except he's participating in it. Mm -hmm. So here's a quick little thing we're going to do before we jump into the podcast proper. It's a game called It's the Circle of Life and We Are the Apex Predators. There are four things that I have here. Technically three and one's a caveat just because I wanted to continue to include it. Three major things in gaming have started and died 
all within the time that we've been doing this podcast. It's a hmm, circle of life. Okay. So since we started this podcast six years ago, three major things have popped up and disappeared. And I just want to do a quick Avengers. little game. I just want to do a quick little game to see if y'all can guess uh, which one is which. So I've got, again, I said four, but one of them technically doesn't count. I just wanted to include it. So we've got four things here. And I'm just going to, we're going to do this similar to like TMI with NPD where you all only get two guesses. So make sure that when you guess, you're pretty confident about which one it is. is. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start with one. And oh, sorry. And all the clues are word for word pulled quotes from the press release of the announcement of these things. So from mm. grabbed from Activision or, or whatever the studio is that brought you this thing. Uh, this is where the press release comes from. So that's, that's what these are. So here we go. The first one. An original story told through a sophisticated cinematic campaign. The story will continue for years after the game launches, filled with new biomes, gameplay modes, and heroes for players to master. Marvel's Avengers? It is Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, Alex named it like before the game even started. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he did. Okay, because of Chad's non-reaction earlier, I was going to say Destiny, but then I'm like, but Destiny is still ongoing, so it can't be that. No, dead game. Dead game. Uh, so yeah, Marvel's <laughs> Avengers was announced June 9th, 2019, and they announced its death, even though technically it's dying in September, they announced its death on January 20th, 2023. Here's another one. Simply click the play now button. Seconds later, you'll be running around ancient Greece in your own game on your own adventure. No downloads, no updates, no patches, Stadia. and no installs. Stadia. Google Stadia. Yeah, we he, had a he brand was, new he started before me. Yep. Yeah. Google Stadia announced March 19th, 2019, officially died. Uh, sorry, announced that it was going to officially die September 29th, 2022. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, them being like, "Hey, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, play it over Chrome." Like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That was actually weirdly enough. That was like several months earlier when they were like, "Hey, just here's a beta test of something called just Google." Stuff out? I think it was yeah. just called Google Project Stream or something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. we've talked about it before. I still stand by that that initial reveal video that they did at GDC where they showed off these hypothetical features that Google Stadia could have in the future was pretty cool. It is unfortunate that Google wasn't able to follow through on their many promises. Yep. All right, here's something else that was revealed and died during the time of our podcast. Break free of the confines of traditional 2D screens with your favorite entertainment. Level up your play style from inside the game and spend quality time hanging out with friends no matter how far apart you may be. 3DS? No. This, no. Here's a second clue. The Playdate? Uh, no, Playdate is still, I wanted to include the Playdate on here, but it is still kicking. <laughs> We've lined up a massive slate of games, experiences, and apps with more than 1,000 titles to choose from. Third clue, from original content featuring world-class IPs to tried and true Gear VR classics and beyond, there's plenty to keep you busy in the headset the, and more surprises the on the way. original PlayStation VR? No. No. Um, You're getting warmer. Is now. there another clue? Those are all the clues. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a VR headset. I want to say, I mean, you said Gear VR, but um, 
Daydream, maybe? No, you're on the right track, not really though. gaming, You're on though. the right track. Yeah. I can't remember if you've guessed mm. already or not. If you've guessed two already We've or not. We've both done two. Yeah. yeah. I already did two, yeah. Any Before I reveal it, any last guesses of what this could be? It's a VR headset that's dead, but I don't know which ones are technically dead. Google Cardboard. That was a thing, right? Cardboard? This is one step past that. That was a thing. Yeah, Google Cardboard was a thing. Google Glass. This is Oculus Go. The very first standalone <laughs> Oculus have... headset. I this... mean, cool. I would not have been able to guess that, honestly. This predated the Oculus Quest and was very much... Mm. It was basically Google Daydream, Google Cardboard, mm -hmm. Samsung Gear VR, like all of those things in a headset without needing that, your phone. Yeah. Was that and before had... they got bought by Meta? That was... I think they announced it before Meta and then launched it and then Meta bought them, yeah. But gotcha. it, it, okay. there were no controllers, so it had very limited gaming applications. You just had like a remote that, like, you could watch Hulu in it, or you could, yeah. Like, I had one of those use your phone VR headsets. I, I yeah. think I think I had the Google one. I think I don't remember. I had a piece of cardboard as a Google one that I held up to my eyeballs. <laughs> Ooh, I thought you had Labo, maybe. <laughs> I, I did have. Did I get Labo? I put together. Oh, I put together a Labo piano at my friend at my friend's house. Mm, okay. Uh, all right, last Did one here. Work? Now, this one, I created the game and all this kind of stuff, thinking this technically fell within our timeline, and then at the very last second realized it totally doesn't. Uh, but it is still something that died while we were recording this podcast. The pop culture phenomenon is completely reimagined for the next generation and places you center stage with live-action first-person gameplay. Rock Band? It is not Rock Band. A live action experience that delivers the full emotional roller coaster of being on stage and performing in a real band in front of real crowds. Guitar Hero Live. It is Guitar Hero Live. Technically, technically Guitar Hero Live, the game is still playable, but this service, a 24-hour mm. mode that lets fans play along to a continually updated collection of official music videos, is discontinued. Y'all remember Fun what the name fact. of the service was? Uh, I want to say Live. that a um, a preview video that Kind of Funny did of Guitar Hero Live before it launched is to this day still the most popular video on either of Kind of Funny's YouTube channels. That is wild. <laughs> so yeah, the the service Guitar Hero TV is is the TV. the dead service. Uh, the game launched or was revealed April fourteenth, twenty fifteen. And the service was announced that it was going to end on December 1st, 2018. Okay. So it's just a fun little segment there I wanted to do. Just like, we outlasted all of that. So we're better than all of Technically, those things. Technically, you're better than Oculus. You're better than Google. We're better than Google and Meta and Activision. And yeah. who owns Marvel's Avengers now? Is that still... Square Enix. It's Embracer Group. Technically right? Embracer now. Embracer yeah. Group. Yeah. We're better than Disney. I mean, that's not a very, very high bar. <laughs> Technically, the people own Marvel's Avengers now. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, everyone listening, for being part of our journey for the last six years. It's been really fun. Uh, we've got some updates uh, for the show that we will tease towards the very end of the show. Uh, the first one coming up being about Barf, which we'll talk about shortly. 
So that's it. Without further ado, let's jump in. You can catch us. Well, I, I forgot to do this part. You can catch us live on <laughs> twitch.tv slash affableidiots uh, Sunday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Or you can catch us on demand, YouTube and podcast services, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Upcoming, we've got some fun things about Mario and where you won't see him in the shower. We've got Mortal Kombat news, but first we're going to start with Sony's State of Play, February 23rd. This main quest comes from Logan Plant at IGN. You know what's really funny, Jeb? It was supposed to be February of 23, but I did not put that little... Adam, um, quote, you know I'll read whatever you put there, on the teleprompter. I believe it was also, did that also happen on February 23rd, though? 26, 25th, 24th. Oh, my God, it did. Ooh, look at that. Look at 23, that. 23, Fucking science, man. Um, so, yes, there was, a, there was a state of play. It's been a while since we've seen anything from Sony's state of play or showcase related. So this was a welcome bit of news. They kicked off the show with five new games coming to PSVR 2 in 2023. One was The Foglands, which is a haunted first-person shooter, a VR survival game called Green Hell, a fast-paced FPS with some telekinesis powers called Synapse, a sci-fi stealth game called Journey to Foundation, which was also based on the book by Isaac What's-His-Face, which has mm-hmm. a TV show on Apple TV Plus called Foundation as well. Oh, that is the same. Oh, yep. okay. Gotcha, gotcha. And then finally, Before Your Eyes, a colorful interactive adventure about memories where every time you blink, you jump forward in time. Uh, I do have a PlayStation VR 2. We'll talk about that in, in a little bit. So this, like, it was it was good to see that not only has Sony announced, I think, over 100 games. They had a trailer a, a couple weeks ago of like over 100 games that are in development, but now they're just consistently still bringing more and more announcements. So that's good to see that that platform is healthy. And foundation looks fine. I like all of these. No, nothing like totally grabbed me except for the idea of before your eyes, like being able yeah. to to blink and go to the next thing. We'll talk about the like eye tracking and how I think that's the most important new feature on the PSVR two. But that's really enticing to me. I can say I have not played it myself, but uh, former guest of the podcast and dear personal friend to me. Uh, Jacob McCourt, who came on and talked with us about uh, Far Cry 6. He does Left Beyond Game Club, um, among other things. And he uh, told me Play, Bo- Play Before Your Eyes, I think is one of his favorite games that year that it came out. And it's like, a v- so I think it was already on PC and I think it's on mobile as well. But VR also seems like a perfect fit for it. I've just heard nothing but great things about Before Your Eyes. Not only from Jacob, just from everybody. So I think that's one to look out for. Dope. <clears throat> We got some new characters for Street Fighter VI, including Zangief, Lily, and Cammy. Each character got a brief gameplay showcase during display, displaying their unique fighting styles, and Lily joins as a newcomer to the series. I people as I was watching this, really happy about that Cammy redesign. Oh, you, really? You think that people would be like, yeah, like you'd think that people would be like, oh man, why did they have to give her more clothes? Why did they have to cover her up more? People really into it. It's twenty twenty three. Like we can, we can realize that gaming is is bigger than just the people who want giant bouncy jugs in video games. Um, I was as I was watching this, I was like, man, why are we getting all this giant reveal for all these players that are just like completely in? Like we already know, like they've been in Street Fighters a thousand times. Like why are we surprised and so excited right now? And then I was like, yeah, shut up, Chad. Like you've watched Smash Bros. reveals, and you're like, oh my god, you two said it again. <laughs> Kirby's so, here again. It's just that I don't care about Street Fighter Six. Like it's it's exciting. Glad it happened. And uh, I checked my my bias at the door. 
We got a new look at Capcom's upcoming Resident Evil 4 remake, which I am, I forget is only like six weeks away, mm -hmm. which confirmed the presence of Mercenaries Mode. And we also learned a special demo of the game is on the way as well. Ooh. Is this... I, I don't know if you all know the answer to this, if I don't know the answer to this, but Resident Evil 4 VR is listed for PlayStation VR 2 as something mm -hmm. that's upcoming. Do we know if it's the remake? In VR, or is it the Oculus version that was released last year? I don't know. I know I didn't put it in here, but there's a story about it's going to be like a free DLC add-on to Resident mm -hmm. Evil 4 Remake that you just download oh, okay. for free and play it as a VR version. Well, that's similar to Village that then, means. which means it's probably just a VR. And if it's made using the Village engine as well, RE engine. like Just probably the same thing, but just VR. Maybe, dope. I assume. Cool. That looks great. V excited about that. <clears throat> y'all <laughs> 48 hours from now uh -huh. everyone in the world will be playing lightfall we saw a new trailer for destiny's latest expansion lightfall as it launches in two days if you are hearing this right now if you are listening to the words coming out of my mouth on demand that means you should be playing lightfall because it comes out actually technically i think reset is now no maybe daylight savings i can't remember whether it's 9 a.m or 10 a.m pacific uh, okay, you have a few hours. You have a few hours, and then you can play Destiny. So, uh, yes, it was launching on Tuesday, February 28th. We had a new trailer. We got a brief look at the Traveler shooting something. To date, the Traveler's done nothing but sit like a big old stupid egg on top of the Earth, granting us mm -hmm. everlasting life and amazing technological improvements. But we saw, for a brief second, that it shoots a beam of something out of Pyramid, a Darkness Pyramid, so... Very excited about that. Thinking about calling off work. Sick. I was about to ask, did you take off work? You <laughs> should have just scheduled this ahead of time. I, I So I didn't take off work because, you know, last year for my birthday, I went up to Rhode Island with the boys and we played through the mm -hmm. Witch Queen campaign, like in Matt's basement and just like had three TVs and three PS5s there. And it was amazing. But this year they both have brand new babies. So I knew that they wouldn't be able to play until after the babies went to bed anyway. So I was like, might as well they work both have during babies? the day. Yeah, yeah. Matt has so his first baby. So came to visit, they both got down. Yeah. And produced offspring. And I, in that. fact, here's how it works. I was so attractive to them that they could not with, like, they were like, Chad's here in person. We hugged him. I don't know what to do. I need to have sex with my significant other right now and make a baby. And that's what they did. Or the more likely thing is, there's two Holy things. Holy shit. Like, no, more, though. No, though. Listen. Dallas's baby uh -huh. did come exactly nine months after I left. Wow. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> That's exactly what happened. I got two things here. One, Chad probably has a child somewhere, because apparently that that <laughs> weekend was magical and crazy things happened. And two, does Alex have a new haircut? Everyone in chat's talking about it. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's it going is, on here. It is just like nonstop in the chat. It's Alex's haircut. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, there's no way that we could possibly know. No way that we could possibly know. I will say, Chad, you, uh, you insinuated earlier that they had babies because they found you too hot and they needed to, <laughs> you know, procreate in order to get it out of them. It's also possible that they procreated ahead of heading over to your place because they were fearful that uh, your encounter uh, with them would result in them untimely dying. And so they wanted to release <laughs> their spawn into the world so that like they just would in case something to kind of live on and you know enact their legacy 
I'm going to choose to believe a third option where they something about married me where mm. Ben Stiller is like, I got to take care of myself before I leave and go see Chad because I don't want to accidentally blow my load when we hug and that'll be embarrassing. So that's what I'm going to assume happens. They're like, listen, Chad's here. I'm excited. I need to make sure this ends up in you and not in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's most likely. Also, you said Ben Stiller. and I think it's Ben Affleck. No, Ben Stiller. Something about Mary. I'm thinking of the movie with he likes the lesbian lady. I don't, uh, I don't know. What is Kevin it? Smith the, movie. It, the Kevin Smith movie, right? Yeah. Anyway. No, so, it, have you seen something about Mary? Jersey Girl. It's Jersey Girl is what I'm thinking of. Excuse have you seen me. something about Mary? Is it? I know what it is. I've the, seen whole, the, cover. the whole thing, the whole like come in the hair scene. <laughs> it's because his friend, he's like, movie. he's worried about coming prematurely. This is uh, taking quite a turn is on it? this podcast. He's worried about coming prematurely. So his friend tells him, listen, just rub one out in the bathroom before the date so that mm -hmm. you don't run into that issue. And he does, but then he can't find his spunk anywhere. He's like, what happened? Where'd it go? I don't know. And then she comes to the door and it's hanging from his ear. And she's like, oh, look, hair gel. Thank you. She grabs it off his ear. Puts it in her hair. Wow. Comedy in the iconic moments. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Just to be clear, Adam, you weren't thinking of chasing Amy. That's, That's what Kevin I'm thinking Smith of. Movie. It's a Kevin Smith okay. movie where she's a lesbian and Ben Affleck is in love with her and he has baby teeth. What's the one where he takes his daughter to go see Sweeney Todd on Broadway? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so, Destiny Lightfall is coming out on Tuesday. It's going to be a great time. Anyway, we're only going to be playing at night, so I'll be working during the day and maybe calling off sick. Um, the team behind Tetris Effect has revealed a new title called Humanity, which I feel like, I don't know if it's revealed Mr. Logan at IGN, um, because I've definitely seen this before. But uh, Humanity, which shows a spirit-like dog leading hundreds upon hundreds of humans in lemmings-like fashion. The game is coming this May to PS5, PS4, PSVR 1 and PSVR 2. When I saw that in the state of play, I was like, damn, that's a lot of work y'all are putting into this title to make it backwards compatible with PSVR 1 as well as PSVR 2. Or it started out as PSVR 1 and then they had to also make a PSVR 2 version. That's also very likely, yeah. <laughs> then we get Chia, T-C-H-I-A. It is the upcoming Wind Waker-like exploration game from Awakeb, Awasib. It might help you to know the backwards it sure. spells Bisawa, like Devin Bisawa. And we learned of that it's, <laughs> it's launching on PlayStation Plus's extra and pre premium tiers on March 21st, similar to how, 21st, similar to how Stray did last year. Um, this was one of the more surprising announcements to me. Like, I'm, I'm super into Chia. I think it might have been a little bit of the music of the trailer. Kind of, I got swept up emotionally in it a little bit, but the art style looks super cool. I'm into it. And knowing that I, that I shelled out for that stupid extra tier that I've never used. Like, now I'm going to have a reason. Again, yeah. I, don't, I wanted to remind myself what this game looks like. But mm -hmm. when I typed in Chia into my Google search bar, it only brought up results about Chia, the seed. Uh, so even I guess with I'll the never T? Oh. Yeah, even with the T? Did you see the Chia oh, pet like Scooby-Doo or Barack Obama? <laughs> so wait, hold on. It's spelled T-C-H-I-A? Yes. That's what yep. it's called? Mm -hmm. Type that okay. in. There we it go. It looks like Wind Waker meets Breath of the Wild art style thing. You can turn into animals. I do like, I think it looks cool. I've liked every trailer I've seen. Uh, I don't remember exactly what I said to begin the year, but I was like, there won't be more than, I either said there won't be more than two or three of the games that launch into PS Plus Extra. And here we got one. 
So maybe they're doing it more often. We only got Stray last year. Maybe this yeah. year we'll get more. Or Chia will be the only one. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> this game doesn't look that bad. I feel like it will really need to blow people's socks off if I'm going to hunker over to the old PlayStation Plus service and get that tier so I can get it day one. I mean, you can also just pay regular money for it. Yeah, there's that too. I don't know. We'll see. Here's the biggest news that surprised me the most in this. We got a lengthy trailer for Baldur's Gate 3, which has an official release date on PlayStation consoles on August 31st. Trailer showed off various classes, shots in the multiplayer, and combat. I had no idea that PlayStation consoles were in the plans for this game, and that has made me very happy. I know. So, as the biggest Baldur's Gate fan of all time, or Larian, basically. Again, trailer was cool. Showed J.K. Simmons is in the game because put him in everything. That man's amazing. Um, yeah, I was very shocked to get a day and date release for PlayStation. Because, again, all their games have come on the other of con- PC first and then consoles later. That's always been a thing. Yeah. But then we got this trailer. It's like, yo, day one, PC, PS5. I'm like, oh, I like this. That's going to help out. Putting on everything. Um, and then there's also, there's been more news stories about Xbox. They're like, we're making an Xbox version. We're going to try to get it out. Apparently it's like the S, the Xbox series S is like making things things a little difficult. Um, so we'll see what happens, but it is supposed to come to everything. And if they can get it all on the same day, they'll do it in the same day. So I'm very excited because I want everyone to play this video game and not having to have a beefy PC to play it on. Being on a PlayStation. Awesome. Yeah. Dope. Finally, I'm curious about y'all's thoughts on this one. Uh, We got our biggest look yet at Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which showed off the game's combat, the RPG elements, and the live service elements of it. We saw gameplay of Harley Quinn, King Shark, Captain Boomerang, and Deadshot. Rocksteady also talked about post-launch support, including cosmetic battle pass stuff, gear score mechanics, and upgradable weapons. What did this trailer do for, or what did the extended gameplay demo do for y'all? This is a big, fat DNC. Did not care. I'm sorry, man, I have been burned a few too many times by these trailers. They're like, this is a ever-growing, expansive world in which you'll fall into the shoes of these characters that are going to perpetuate these annoying missions over and over again where they fight robots and other enemies that don't feel particularly exciting to fight. Y'all have fun playing this. I'm not going to go in on this. Unless... The only scenario in which I'll play this is if the two of you really get into it and are like, hey, we could use a third wingman to grind out polychorons or whatever. I'll get in for that. But <laughs> polychorons. Marvel's Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, what about you? Uh, I went through all kinds of emotions. So uh, there's two videos. Uh, again, I didn't watch the State of Play live. So afterwards, there's like a six, seven minute gameplay specific. And then there's like a nine minute overall. And I went through it and I was like, man, this game... Gives me the worries of Marvel's Avengers, basically, you know, like the kind of game that they're trying to make. Um, but I don't know if the game actually looks bad. This is a wait and see, right? Because I'm with him. It's like, at the beginning, I'm like, man, I really don't care. I wish they wouldn't do this. But then they, I watched it, like the gameplay. So I'm like, no, the stuff here could be interesting. I don't know. I think that they're going for something that nobody wanted them to go for. But I don't necessarily think that's going to mean it's bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or if, you know, your favorite band makes a new kind of album, you're like, we didn't want this. But, like, that doesn't mean it's bad just because you didn't want it, you know? Um, So we'll see. I would like for it to be. Because, again, the idea of get some friends, go around, and do these cool missions. 
that could be fun. If the gameplay is cool, awesome, whatever. That could be like a let's get Borderlands when it's thirty bucks and I'll go in there. Yeah. But yeah, like day one seventy bucks. I mean, unless this thing's getting tens, probably not. But I am like, if this could be Avengers, but like two points better on reviews, I'd be down for that. I don't know what to see. This is definitely a wait and see. Like, I want to be interested, but just because they're not making what I want, does that mean it's bad? But that I, I don't also have to care either as well. I don't know. I want to see. Uh, until reviews come out, I'm pretending this game doesn't exist. <laughs> I am, after while I was seeing this and afterwards, I am simultaneously more excited for it and also very wary of it. For some, a lot of the same reasons y'all just said. Like, I think what, what excited me is that the gunplay looks fun and the acrobatics and the movement and traversal looks really slick and really cool. So like that, being able to see all of that for the first time was like, okay, I'm into this. Like it looks like they're going to be taking, um, taking some pages out of a couple of other games playbook and, and making that really fun. But there are a lot of red flags that, that Alex brought up a lot of uh, that signals Marvel's Avengers for me. Like, the gear score mechanics are straight out of uh, Marvel's Avengers. The cosmetic battle pass. I'm worried about the fact that, like Alex said, like it's all just going to be a bunch of nameless, lifeless robots that we're fighting. Like that same generic enemies over and over. Like that gives me pause. Along with the idea that you can play solo with AI controlled companions. Like the whole thing is four people at a time, and you just play with AI companions unless you've got friends to play with. Like that. It, it it's given me a lot of Marvel's Avengers vibes and mm. uh, specifically the multiplayer Marvel's Avengers vibes because um, they had like a really dope single player uh, campaign where it looks like this. It seems to be leaning more into the game as service and uh, part of it. So I don't know. Again, gameplay yeah. and gunplay. That's something that, that's different about this is that Marvel's Avengers had so many different like different fighting mechanics i guess but it was it came down to a lot of like punching jumping and that's it whereas this actually has some third person shooting mechanics that look really solid so that's that's the good that came from this for me the thing is is and again if you're really jazzed for this game that's a-okay by me but like you know marvel's avengers had some like pretty good movement mechanics as well like flying around as iron man jumping around as the hulk like twisting your hammers uh twisting uh mjolnir as thor and flying off into the sunset felt honestly pretty good in that game as well it's just at the end of the day what you were doing with the kind of powers that you had at disposal got real monotonous real fast i, I don't deny that the game doesn't look all that bad mechanically. Uh, it's just the, the the heart of what this game is doesn't seem like it's really going to be there. Yeah, like I said, we'll big, the biggest wait and see I think I have all year because it could be like a good game, and I I don't I don't dislike the live service elements in it, but I also want a Rocksteady game, so I want the like story to be good and the gameplay to feel good. So if they can do all of it, great. But again, I just I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. They're, they feel confident, but we'll see if their confidence means anything, you know? Because, like, Ben Stiller had confidence and then that girl's <laughs> hair, you know? <laughs> the last thing I'll bring up is that the uh, uh, there's a tweet from Tucker Hazel, who he's not been on our show, but 
I've been on a show with him, and maybe I think maybe Adam yeah, you did too. He he was on um, Press YZ a couple of times as well. Yeah, so he tweeted out more like Suicide Squad incapacitate the Justice League while you hunt down Brainiac and free them from his control. And I was like, yeah, that like kill the Justice League is a catchy marketing title, but that's exactly what this is going to be. Like we're not actually killing anyone in the squad. Justice League. Suicide Squad kill the Justice League multiple times when you rerun each Justice League member's mission over and over. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it. It That was the Sony State of Play for February 23rd, 2023. Um, Some cool stuff showing off. I was excited for it. Any last thoughts before we move on? Oh, I guess we'll see. I kind of want to get the collector's edition for Baldur's Gate. But I already own it on PC. So maybe I get the collector's edition for PS5, keep the goodies, and give away the PS5 version of the game. Oh, is it a physical or a digital version of the game? I haven't looked that much into it. because I, oh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I don't care. I might just no. give it away. I hope it's a code. It'd be easier to give away. I don't know. I just really like Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Dope. Dope, dope, dope. Um... I have a ton. We're moving into playtime where we talk about what we played this week. I have a ton to talk about, and I feel like I've been talking a lot the last little bit. So I'm going to let you all talk first, starting with Adam. Adam, tell me about what you played. All right. So I played a little game called The Last Starship. I've talked about it before on this podcast. There is a review specifically for it. Go check that out on YouTube, uh, Responding Fire, and also in the same podcast service as this. Uh, yeah, reviewed, talked about The Last Starship. Um, it was a really fun early access game on Steam where you you micromanage ships, basically starships. Maybe the last one. Uh, no, it's very cool. Check out the review. It's a good time. I enjoyed it. Um, and then today, I made a ship and put our name on it. So there's a, if you guys ever played this game, you go on the, on the, the shop and download a, a vehicle and it's the RAF Armored Transport. And that is the ship that I made. It's a little fast ship that just has a ton of space for people and a hundred guns all on the side. <laughs> it's wild. It's crazy. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, the next I played, Marvel's Midnight Suns. It's back again once a, once a month. They're dropping these new characters. Uh, Venom was the newest one. Played through his campaign. It's got like three or four missions. Uh, you fight vampires. But this time, maybe Dracula's at the end. Isn't <gasps> Here's the funny thing. I love how... I think DC does it as well, but the characters that are, um, what do you call it when public domain, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Dracula. Cause he's been so long Winnie the Pooh now. Cause it's been a hundred yep. years or whatever. I love it. The initial like Dracula's here. I'm like fucking Dracula is here <laughs> in the Marvel <laughs> video game. Um, but it's fun, dude. Venom is so fucking good to use. He's like, I mean, cause you, Chad, you play the game, you know, like Venom shows up and beats the shit out of you yeah. once in a while. Multiple times. Yeah. Now yeah. You get to use those powers now and it's fucking really, really fun. Um, See, I love it. He's probably my favorite. I think I like him more than Deadpool as a character in the game. Like using him strategy-wise. He's he's very fun. Um, he's just a big behemoth. Uh, and he beats the shit out of people. He's great. Bites people's heads off. Do you ever get to uh, interact yeah, most... with Eddie Brock outside? Like in the Oh yeah. In... Whenever okay, you're cool. in the little home base, he's always yeah. Eddie. He's never Venom whenever you're Dope. at the house. <laughs> at the house, hanging out with Venom. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh continue to play the game. I hope we get one a month so that in April, I can start my new game plus after getting all the new characters. Didn't they say? Uh, I thought the, I read somewhere mm-hmm. that they're hoping to do six DLCs. Is that a thing the that I made up? The season pass is four characters. Oh, okay. Specific, they've announced the four characters. If they did more, I would like to see that. 
I don't know if we'll get more necessarily, but that would be cool. We know for, for the last two are Morbius and Storm. So we're going to get those mm. get those folks at some point. Uh, it's, the uh, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, it's cool that they actually have a mutant character in the game because it feels like over the course of the past decade, due to the schism between the Avengers and the X-Men, that we haven't had a lot of like uh, Marvel-centric games where we have both teams teaming up and doing stuff together. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, this game has tons of mute. I mean, four or five mutants are in this game. Like that oh, are really? like. I worked with the X Men. They specifically name dropped the X Men multiple. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wolverine, Magic, um, Deadpool. Well, Deadpool just knows Wolverine. Um, I I can't remember the roster right now, but there's like I think four people that are mutants specifically. They're yeah, they go. That's really it. cool. E even like uh, Marvel versus Capcom uh, from Capcom couldn't keep up with that. So none of them. That's Isn't that wild? Like, Where's Wolverine? He can't be here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. He's not in the MCU. <laughs> so we're not going to let you use him. And, and they did the same thing with Fantastic Four. Sorry. Fox owns Fantastic Four. Therefore, uh, we're going to take away all merch and we're going to stop that comic book run now. So yeah. Remember <laughs> the Inhumans? Gross. Well, yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing is for a very brief period of time, they were like, our solution to the mutant problem is to make the Inhumans the new mutants of mm. the like MCU universe. And clearly that did not work out. They suck. I will say, <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going to stop talking about Marvel's Midnight Suns. I do love spoilers for a TV show that came out a year ago. I do like how Miss Marvel. They specifically go out of their way to be like, hey, she's a mutant. She's not yeah. an inhuman. She's actually a mutant. She's what everyone wanted her to be in the first place. Fucking love that. She's um, Schrodinger's mutant. She either <laughs> is or is a mutant. We won't find out till we open the box and she's dead. <laughs> yeah, she's not in there anymore. Uh, and the last game I played was Atomic Heart. Um, oh, sweet. I play. Yeah, Atomic Heart. Yeah, I'm needing to check this out. Yeah, I only played about an hour of it, so I'm very early on. This game is fucking Bioshock as hell. Like it, that oh, first like thirty it. minutes is exactly Bioshock. Um, so like, let's go through the world and explore the world, and everything's crazy, and it looks great, and it's wonderful. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm still very early on, but I'm having a good time with it. It is, I will say, the negative about it. Everyone's been saying it. It's holy shit. This main character is awful. It's literally mm, like, yeah. hey, mm. what if we made a Bioshock like game? Cool. Russian aesthetics. It's like. You know, like in Fallout, it's like, oh, it's the 50s, even though it's the future. Yeah. It's like mm. that. It's like, this is like USSR, um, like 50s, like neo-punk, whatever. Fucking, there's literally like, spoilers for the first 10 minutes of the game, the city's floating in the sky. Like the Russian city's <gasps> floating in the sky and shit. It's like, oh, fucking cool. Right. And then fucking Duke Nukem fucking shows up and you play as Duke Nukem during the game. And he's like, <laughs> it's such a weird choice for them to be like, hey, we, clearly... We, we played Bioshock. We thought it was cool. Russian Bioshock. Awesome. Why the fuck? It's so, he's like, hey, glove, because you have, you know, your little thing in your hand, you know, like Bioshock, where you have your powers out of. And he talks to it. He's like, also, it's funny that he's Russian. It sounds like an American. That's fucking whatever. <laughs> uh, but he's like, hey, glove, shut the fuck up. I know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm just trying to help out. Yeah. Okay, dude. It's like, what? Mm. What? <laughs> it's I, I'm I'm still going to check out this game. That's yeah, check it out. A it's little, cool. Yeah, it's a, that's a little bit uh, dispiriting to hear because, like, I've heard other not-so-great stuff about this game. I've heard about how there are these, like, sex slave, fembot robots that are, like, kind of problematic. That stuff, like, obviously, like, I'm just as critical of that stuff as everyone else is. But, like, 
I can live with that more than I feel like I can live with the protagonist also being a piece of shit, you know? It's just weird. He, he feels like he's from a 90s video game, but everything, again, the game's beautiful and everything else is cool, but it's just, I don't know why you put Duke Nukem in Bioshock, but I'll continue to play Atomic Heart. I've enjoyed it so far. Again, it leaves a very good impression at the beginning, so we'll see if that keeps up, but um, yeah, very cool. Cool. That's me. Alex, you just wrote all the dooms. Tell me about it. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I don't want to go too super into detail right here and right now because I want to save most of my thoughts for uh, the Doom Eternal barf cast that we're going to be doing in the near future. Um, I will say, uh, just to be uh, super specific, when I say all the Dooms, I'm specifically referring to Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. I did briefly consider maybe jumping into like the original doom and like doom 64 because i want to say that both those games are now available for you to purchase on the psn store like you can just straight up play those games yeah uh for free on the service uh but i figured it, let's not overthink this let's just replay through doom 2016 which i had been meaning to do for a while now for reasons i will get into on the podcast episode uh and so yeah that's been what I've been up to. I also, uh, I completed my second playthrough of Dead Space where uh, you have to beat the entire game using only the plasma cutter. Pretty fun. Yeah. I still have mm -hmm. one more playthrough to do where you have to like beat the game on the hardest difficulty without uh, dying. Uh, I will get to that at some point, but I want to finish the dooms first. You're going to do it. You're going to do impossible mode. I, I think I can manage it. I mean, All right. I'll definitely be save scumming a lot using yeah. like the upload download cloud transfer mm. hack to make things easier for myself i'll fully admit it up front i'll fully admit it i'm a cheater but i will do it <laughs> do you i i have not looked into this because i just assumed i'm not going to do impossible difficulty but can you do a new game plus on impossible difficulty is that allowed no i don't believe okay. so all right well dope i uh i have kind of three sections of my playtime. i have um, a couple updates on a few games that I played. I have a PSVR 2 segment, and then I have a Super Nintendo World segment. So, updates on some other games. Destiny 2, we all know Lightfall comes out on Tuesday. If you're listening to this uh, right now on demand, it's too late, but there's a really cool final mission that if you've been keeping up with the story missions all season, you finally get, you get to play the, the final mission in the last two weeks um, that just ends with such a great cinematic and such a cool like send-off to Rasputin. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super dope. Really enjoyed that. Doom Eternal. I have played enough of it to, and by played enough of it, I mean, I have downloaded it to my console again. I have opened the go. game and checked the trophies again to figure out whether I want to platinum it this run and saw it has a lot of multiplayer trophies. And I said, nope. So I will be playing through this again for barf on super easy difficulty, uh, just to get a, a refresher on the game and the content. Are you going to do, have you already gotten the trophy for beating the game with like a certain number of extra lives uh, still in your inventory? I have not. So maybe that's a good goal to go through. I was going to say, because I want to say that you can do that particular trophy playing the game in easy mode. So, so that might be something to consider. Dope. Um, PG. What the fuck is P? Oh, Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, parental I, guidance I, is I normally like you can assume that I play Pokemon Go every single day, and I know normally don't really talk about it on the podcast. But this weekend was Pokemon Go tour 
Hoenn, Las Vegas yeah. Worldwide Global Event thing. And they had some research that goes along with it where like you just you do some tasks and then there were primal Kyogre and primal Groudon raids, which are basically the mega evolutions of those two Pokemon. And I wasn't gonna do it until I got to that second step and it's like, well, it's just one Kyogre and one Groudon. And then I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then it turned into me and Joel and my friend Randy, like nonstop all weekend. I swear to God, we did, we probably successfully did eight or nine raids together. Wow. Uh, maybe, maybe more than that. Cause you have to get enough energy to transform them. And you don't get all of that from the the research quest. So you got to like do multiples of these. And it yeah, it turned into from it turned into something that took up a lot more of my weekend than I ever expected it to. I thought I was just gonna pop in, catch a few Pokemon, but no. Whew. So yeah, I, I uh, spent about thirty bucks on the game this week because <laughs> got to get those remote raid passes so I can do raids with Joel in Chicago, uh, and also just without leaving my couch. And then I also learned that there are. Um, region-specific Pokemon that are only available in 10K eggs this weekend. In eggs that oh, you pick really? up during the weekend. And so that's um, Torkoal and Tropius, oh, yeah. which have been available before in the U.S. And then Relicanth, which I have never seen before and I don't think has been available in the U.S., Outside of some physical things. Now, are these cities or Pokemon names? These are Pokemon names. Uh, I, I just checked the stream. It totally did not show up on camera, but that no, was me was showing my yellow. Torkoal collection. Uh, yeah, okay. I have multiple Torkoal, multiple Tropius. I only have one Relicanth. I have zero. Uh, so today, anyways. I had to go, I had to burn some eggs. I learned it this morning. They're like, you can do this. I was like, oh. so I, you, I had, my inventory was already full of eggs. And I had to get rid of those. I had to hatch those so that I could pick up some 10K eggs, hopefully, by spinning the Pokestops. So, yeah, I uh, I bought a basically like a $20 trainer box in the store today so I could get a bunch of super incubators. We went on a long-ass dog walk this morning, and we went on a long-ass mm. dog walk this afternoon so I could burn those eggs. And I ended up getting six 10K eggs that could have a chance of having Relicanth in it. So that will complete my Ooh. Pokedex for the Hoenn region. Uh -huh. Yeah, unfortunately... Because I was kind of occupied this weekend, I wasn't able to participate in a whole ton of the Hoenn Primal Reversion stuff as you were able to, Chad. That being said, I did get two 10k eggs, and I just checked right now, and yeah, they are uh, eggs that could potentially hatch into one of the three Pokemon you mentioned, so that'll be nice. Yeah. That will be nice. And then my last non-VR game is uh, Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. And this is something Why did you that... play this? <laughs> Adam, let me tell you, there has been... I, I used to be good as fuck at Guitar Hero, and I loved yeah. that shit in college. I, I love me a good rhythm game. Patapon had the shit out of those on PS Vita and PSP. Hi-Fi Rush. And then... I haven't played Hi-Fi Rush yet, but then Beat Saber came along, and I was like, fuck yeah, Beat Saber, rhythm. It's in VR now. Well, there's a Beat Saber-sized hole in my heart, and there has been for a long time, for about a year, because I'm not going to hook up my old PSVR to my PlayStation. Um, and then I remembered, oh, man, back in the day, I played on iPad this game called Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm, and they just released a new one not too long ago. I feel like it was only a few weeks ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like two weeks ago or something? Yeah. Yeah. 
and they had a demo of it on the store. I was like, okay. I got my PSVR that same day. I was like, let me try Theater Rhythm demo while because I, I took the headset off because we'll talk about that in a second. I was like, let me try this Theater Rhythm demo. And I played it. You can play for hours. It's like 30 songs. You can play with a bunch of characters. And I was like, fuck, this is good. And I put it down. And then the next day, I was like, let me go back and play this demo. And then I hit the the cap on like the materials you're able to gain during it. And But you can continue playing the game. You just won't accrue materials. I was like, damn it. The base game is only 50 bucks. And so I bought it. I bought yeah. it. So I bought the game. And yeah, I've, I've played so many hours of that thing. I just, I just lay on the couch just with the controller it's perfect for the back buttons too because it's really simple to interact with like you only ever have to push two buttons at a time and they can be any buttons like mm. pushing triangle it doesn't matter mm. whatever's most comfortable for you to push that interacts with the, the oh, yeah, triggers for sure yeah and then it's yeah two buttons at a time max and then also moving up or down the joystick so it's really simple to play but also really satisfying and complex um you get you're playing through all of this amazing final fantasy music and then there's dlc that i'll probably break down and buy for all of the other square rpgs like it has kingdom Hearts stuff in it it has live alive yeah. it has chrono cross chrono trigger it has all sorts of these things marvel's uh, avengers <laughs> marvel's avengers so it has a bunch it has a lot of dlc and it, so it, it's just it's scratching that rhythm game itch for me uh so so well and they have they have the moment you every said Marvel's Avengers. The, the mo- moment you said Marvel's Avengers, I immediately thought of like the stupid ass combat song that plays when you're fighting those robots in the hive. You had to play like fifty of them in a row to get like the last trophy in the game. Yeah, and goddamn, I hate it. Now you get to play it in theater rhythm. Yep. Hey, if, if speaking of, if anyone out there just is looking to do hives in Marvel's Avengers, I know Brent B Rent. B underscore rent, I think, on Twitter. Or B rent music. I don't know. Go look at Brent Pork Chop. He's the guy who follows our podcast most a lot of shit. He's looking for people to do hives with so you can get that platinum trophy before September. All right. I may offer my services if he really <gasps> needs help. If you he that? really needs the help. Uh, yeah, I'm certainly not gonna fucking play that game with him, so <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, PSVR segment. So yes, we did get PSVR two, got it on day one. Thank goodness. Even though the delivery, you know, said it could be anytime in that first week, got it on day one. So excited. Um, and I haven't played more than maybe three or four hours on it total, but I do have some initial impressions. I think that I'll talk about the hardware first. One, I fucking love. Look at this hardware stand. Look at for the. This is the charging stand for the the sense controllers. You put your little hand in there, and then you boop, and it magnetically charges. But it just looks so good, and it feels so good to take. It's it's great. So that's great. The sense controllers. (laughs) Looks like something from the future, Tron. Yeah, it it looks like a big cartoon frog from like a Zelda game. Big frog eyes. Or from this way, it looks like maybe like underwear somehow or butt cheeks. Anyway. yeah, I'm really digging these controllers. They are super comfortable to, comfortable to use. Great tracking on them. I'm not having. I used to occasionally have tracking issues with the PlayStation Move wands, especially playing Beat Saber. I would occasionally have one saber that like started to drift a little bit off to the left. Obviously, this is all like super precise and wonderful. The headset itself doesn't. F- uh, it doesn't. It's not super revolutionary in terms of like physical footprint or. Um, 
at first blush, it looks like it's almost a, a regular PlayStation VR, but there are enough quality of life tweaks to it to, to make it really great, like dedicated spots for the headphones to wrap around. Um, the lenses for the eyes, as you're, it, it has like a whole dedicated setup whenever you put it on for the first time. And so you have to watch the TV and you adjust the eyes. Yeah, just like that. Um, mm -hmm. The lenses for it, it makes a huge difference being able to move those in and out. I didn't realize how much of a difference it made. But it has eye tracking built in. So while you're setting it up, it can show you where your pupils are in relation to the lenses. And it's like, nope, they're not in the right spot. Move the lenses a little bit more. And the more you move them, like, okay, you're in a good spot. And you're like, oh, shit, yeah, everything is a lot clearer. Um, so that's really cool. The setup process is, is all really cool, too. And the way you're able to, like, see the room and, and mark your boundaries and things like that is, is great. Uh, the... I'll mention one, one negative thing and then two positive things. The negative thing about it so far, I don't know. I think I might have figured out what it was. But playing it the very first time, after about 45 minutes, I started to have really bad eye aches. It's not like eye strain. Like I've played video games too long or stared at the TV or a monitor too long and my eye strain. They felt like a migraine in each of my eyes somehow. I was mm. like, what the hell is going mm. on? And, and you know, I've played... I can sit in PSVR one for hours on end and nothing. And it's totally fine. But I started to have that. So that's why I only played it like an hour and a half, two hours on the first day. Took that off, played some theater rhythm. And then the next day got back into it and played a little bit. And I started to feel it after about 10 minutes. I was like, what is going on? And I think it's because it's a lot easier to tighten the headband on this one. And I had it tightened up high on the back of my head and I lowered it down to more of my neck area, the headband on my neck area. And that, seemed to ease up on on some of that eye ache you were probably hitting a pressure point that would have made you go blind if you left it on there. maybe yeah i mean that is the <laughs> occipital lobe in the back of your head yeah, right? that's in charge that of your sight where they connect yeah. yeah so um yeah i i had i have never had that issue on psvr one and i don't know how this one it's not like super designed differently so i don't know how this one uh affected that so much but that's the only negative that i've had with it so far um and then the two positives, I think the, the, what is it called? The haptics. The haptics built in are kind of cool. That you have the haptics mm -hmm. every time that it boots up and every time that it shuts down too. So that you like kind of feel it. It's like, I'm ready to play. <laughs> and it's like, cool. And then it shuts down. Um, and then, yeah, the eye tracking. We'll get into that uh, with games. Let's talk about games. Ooh. So I obviously first booted up Horizon Call of the Mountain. Not Call of the Wild. Call of the Mountain. Yes. Call of the Mountain. Yep. Um, and this is the game, maybe the only game that really takes advantage of every part, everything that's new on PSVR 2. Uh, it has eye tracking, like you aim or you select things with your eyes, which is weird to get used to rather yeah. than like PSVR, basically your fingers, a laser pointer PSVR 2, you look at some things and you're like, I'm going to look at that menu. I'm going to look at that and I'll select it with the button. So that was really wild to get used to but it also the foveated rendering like being able to render in high quality only what you're looking at and then everything else around you is like you don't notice it it's impossible to notice it because it's doing it so fast but it, it saves it makes things so much more realistic like horizon call of the mountain looks incredible and in general with the headset i wouldn't say the screen door effect is gone like there's in, in a lot of headsets, I've, I've tried just about every headset I think that exists outside of the brand new Vive one, but um, there's that, it looks like you're looking through a screen door. I wouldn't say that's completely gone, except for this one looks more like 
a film grain. Like if you're watching a movie and they've like purposely mm. put some film grain on it or you're watching an older movie, that's kind of what it looks like instead. So it very quickly and easily fades into the background for me. Anyway, Call of the Mountain seems kind of cool. I'm having a lot of those first, like the first time that I did something in VR, I had a lot of moments where I was like, it surprised me with so much joy that I would like scream and laugh out loud while I was doing it. And so I did that too. We were, you're in the beginning of Call of the Mountain, you're riding in a boat on the river and some enemies are out there. The people in your boat shoot them with bows and arrows. This is before you have any kind of weapons yourself. And you're just sitting there and there's an enemy floating by in the river and there was an arrow sticking out of them. I was just like, I wonder what happens if I reach over there and try to grab that arrow. Wouldn't that be fun? And the arrow broke off in my hand. And I was like, oh. and I screamed. I was like, ah, this is amazing. And so like, I'm having a lot of the rediscovering VR in a way now with PSVR 2 uh, that is just giving me those same feels from the first time enjoying it. Now, um, there's a fun thing you can do in Horizon Call the Mountain. Yeah. Because it only <gasps> requires one hand to climb. So you can put a tambourine in one hand and climb with the other hand and just shake oh, and climb. Oh, I did. I had tambourines, maracas. I painted a dick on the wall and boobies. Did a lot of things for Fallen um, Horizon. I have a question, Chad, about Horizon Call of the Mountain. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Both of you know me. Both of you know that I am obsessed with trophies. And so you have to trust mm -hmm. me when I say that I ask this question that I'm about to ask with all genuineness and seriousness. How does the trophy list for this game look like? Does it seem like the kind of trophy list that you're going to have to consult a guide, look up walkthrough videos on how to complete it? Or does it seem like the kind of trophy list that you can more or less suss out entirely from within the confines of the PSVR headset? Because I'll say like one thing that peeved me a little bit during the, I don't know if peeved was the right word to use, something that pissed me off, <laughs> also not a great word, uh, with the original PlayStation VR is playing games like Moss, for example. I found that in order to platinum those games, I had to like take off the headset and consult some guide on my phone or mm. computer to figure out how to get some of the harder to get trophies in that game. And it was just a very cumbersome experience. And for that reason, I ended up not really bothering with platinuming a lot of games on the platform unless they were like super duper easy or like 12 minute like basically tech demo e experiences based on your experience with call of the mountain do you feel like the playstation vr 2 is going to be kind of continuing this trend or are we in better hands now uh i'll disappoint you with one thing and give you hope with another mm. i will disappoint mm. you by telling you I have not looked at the trophy list for Horizon Call of the Mountain. Okay. I But they're already in the first level. There's like, shoot down these little targets to light these torches. And it doesn't tell you when there's a, no point of, like a point of no return. And I got nine out of the 10 of them. And then I found out, oh, now okay. we're going to a cutscene to chapter two. And I'm like, fuck, am I going to go back and replay chapter one right now to find that last target somewhere that I missed? Um... So like there are those kind of like you might have to consult a guide and hunt for collectibles kinds of things. But here's the hope. The pass-through mode might be enough for you to just click a button on the visor, scroll through a guide real quick because that, that pass-through gives you a black and white view of your room using the cameras on the headset without having to take it off. And it's enough that like when I'm looking at my Apple Watch during it, I could read the time pretty clearly. And obviously mm. the resolution is really great. So like I could read some things 
I couldn't read, like if somebody sent me a long text message on my watch, I couldn't quite sure. read that. But you might be able to have a computer open next to you or an iPad or something like that with a yeah, big if print, I, zoom in on it. Yeah, if I like opened up a like trophy guide and like zoomed in so the text was really big, I could make something like that work. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Something to consider. Um. So yeah, I played a little bit of Horizon Call of the Mountain. Uh, that was that was pretty fun. It it does feel I've only played the first mission and a little tiny bit of the second mission, but I can definitely see how people aren't excited for this game. It is a great showpiece for the the technical capabilities of the headset, but yeah, it, it seems it, it feels like it's going to be one of those. It's like I'm kind of bored with it, ready to put it down before the end of the mm. game is done. But we'll see. I haven't gotten to do a ton of combat, so that might change things. Um, on the flip side of that, however, I am in love with the game What the Bat. And if you are not familiar with What the Bat, it is their first VR title from this company. The same people who made the game What the Golf, which was a launch mm. title for Apple Arcade, and I think was like one of the the most hilarious gaming experiences. And it's it's one of those things where it's just a you you start out with a simple premise like you have baseball bats for hands <laughs> all right your arms are baseball bats you are a human being whose arms are genetically baseball bats and it's just it, it's it's so dumb but it's just like going and doing everyday things with baseball bats for hands and it's such a simple stupid premise but they find so many ways to subvert your expectations uh, like a, a simple example is like there's a there's a tee with a baseball on it and you swing your bat to hit the ball at a trophy. The ball hits the trophy. So, yay, you get a celebration. Next part of the level. All right, do it again. And you go to swing at it. And instead of the ball going anywhere, your arm flies off and hits the trophy. And you're just like, mm. I didn't see that coming. It surprised me. cracked me up a little bit. And then you get to things like, all right, here's an egg next to a frying pan. You have to get the egg into it using only bats for hands. So, like, that's you put it in there like, oh, that's interesting. That's kind of, that's a challenge. And then they're like, cool, you did that? Here's a chicken flying around your kitchen. Hit the chicken with a bat while it's over the frying pan to get eggs in there. I was like, oh, oh that's mm -hmm. fun. That's interesting. All right. Here's a cart in the middle of a field. Here's a pedestal where you have infinite chickens that spawn. Smack the chickens with the baseball bat, and they will shit out infinite eggs all over the field and try to fill it with it's it just like constantly one-ups itself and be and subverting your expectations. And what you think is going to happen often doesn't happen and something completely different just takes you by surprise and it's amazing such a surprising game if you if you don't have a psvr2 but you still want to play something just like that play what the golf i think it's on uh it's definitely on ios it might be on the google play store and i think they brought it to other platforms as well like consoles but it's fantastic so that's what i've played mostly on psvr2 is what the bat uh but i did play also the resident evil village demo mm-hmm uh, I have the full thing because, as you mentioned earlier, it's like it's a it is an unlockable in Resident Evil Village. If you own that, you just download the VR content. But the the demo split into two parts. There's a tutorial part, which basically okay. just gets you used to moving in VR and how apparently combat works in VR. And you go to a shooting range like this is outside of Village. Like this does this content does not exist in Resident Evil Village. But it's, it's so interesting because you go to the shooting gallery and you learn to use the handgun. And it plays with... It, like, 
it is so realistic, like almost getting to Red Dead Redemption 2 levels of realism, where you start out with the pistol, and you could, yeah, you can do one-handed, you bring your second hand up if you want to stabilize it a little bit, you shoot, and then you have to reload it by hitting the circle button on your thing to drop the magazine, you pick up mm. ammo out of your belt, you reload it. I'm like, cool, I've seen that before in games. And then they're like, here's the shotgun, pick up the shotgun, you got, you gotta, you shoot it, two-handed probably, you shoot it, and then you have to actually like pump the shotgun to shoot it again, pump the shotgun, okay. and then you take out shell by shell, and you have to load it in there. You have to like knock out, or you have to pump the shotgun to get all the other shells out. And then it's like, all right, sniper rifle time. And you actually have to like pull back the lever every mm-hmm. single shot and do that. And it is, it is just like, it is so much to fire a single bullet in that thing. Um, but that's just the shooting gallery. Like that's just a little tutorial area. And even it, it makes me really interested at like how that's going to create some really frightening scenarios in the game proper. Uh, you, you get a taste like of it in the second part of the shell. Like, yeah, shit. you're like shooting, for, especially I know in that part in Village where it's just like nonstop wolves coming at you towards the end of the game. And like that's going to make me shit. Um, so that was interesting. But then there's also other cool mechanics about it too where like you gr- you can use the controller to grab your trench coat and open it up and there's a flashlight and you grab it with this hand and you toggle it on and it's like for the first time... I. Uh, this has probably happened in other games that I've played in VR, but I forgot about it. But it's so weird to dissociate where I'm looking with where the light is. So, like, mm. I'm holding this flashlight, and, you know, I put it in and out of my trench coat, but I'm holding the flashlight, and I can look somewhere else while I'm shining light somewhere else and shooting in a third direction. Like, all of those things are completely separate to me. And then there's a knife. You have to, like, your knife is in a little wrist strap thing, so you have to, like, bring this up, grab the knife out of there to stab somebody. It is. It is just, like... And the health potions. You got to grab the health health potion out of your backpack, pop the lid, pour it on you to heal yourself. It, it's it's wild. It is so in depth to make it feel like you actually would do it. That yeah, it, it's giving me a little bit of scaries. But then you get to play the opening of Resident Evil Village, and first of all, that game is that game is gorgeous in VR. Mm. I remember playing Resident Evil Seven, and I only played that in the VR. But I remember getting in there. I was like, man, these textures are kind of shitty. And this was this looked like as good as a PS4 Pro could get, maybe even PS5 levels of fidelity and textures and animations and like the grass blowing and that kind of stuff. Like it looks really fucking good. Um, and it, it, it you do get to fight one little werewolf in the beginning area with the handgun, and that is just as terrifying as you think it might be. And it's uh, I cannot wait to play more of that game. Probably closer to October, I'll play through that in VR. Spooky time, um, spooky scary, spooky scary werewolf bar mitzvah. So I, I also I recommend if you have a PSVR 2, just download that village demo. Even if you're one of those people who's like, I don't do scary, just play through the tutorial. There's no fu- there's no combat in the tutorial. Um, play through that just to get an idea of like what those what firing those guns is like because it's so different than anything else I've played. All right. God damn, I still have Super Nintendo World to talk about. So okay, so. <laughs> All That's good. all the VR stuff. Uh, I'll have more in the future as I play through more games. Uh, I've got Moss 2 to, to start. I haven't started yet, so that'll come. But I've got some pictures that I'll run through for Super Nintendo World. So yeah, for my birthday, I didn't. I was on the podcast last week because I was at Super Nintendo World in California. It opened up on my birthday on February 17th. What, oh, are you looking at the photos? Yeah. It's um, an infinite loop now because it's me looking at myself, looking at myself, looking at myself, looking at myself. <laughs> 
I say, I say generally it's, this is a really great experience. There's all sorts of really cool stuff that you can do there. Um, that, that is really fun and well designed in terms of the experience that it's creating. The food is fantastic, but the huge disappointment for me is that it's not well designed to be in a theme park. And mm. um, I'll start by describing the activity. So in, in the land itself, you walk in through the tunnel. It's part of Universal Studios on the, the, the in California, there are two levels because it's on a mountain. There's an upper level and then you take four enormous, really steep escalators down to a lower level at the bottom of the mountain. And that's where this lives. It's one of three worlds down there. There's like the mummy stuff, there's Jurassic World, and then there's this. And you go through a tunnel, you end up in the, the foyer of Peach's Castle, and then you walk through the doors of Peach's Castle and there's the world in front of you. And it's just so shocking and breathtaking to see this enormously realized world. It's so vertical and huge. It's awesome. Um, and the there are four mini games, one boss battle, a restaurant to eat at, a shop to buy clothes in, and the Mario Kart ride. That's what exists in here. And so it all generally has to do with, uh, if you're not doing the Mario Kart ride, the rest of the world really revolves around these wristbands. So I was Team Yoshi. You buy these separately. This is a $40 wristband. You don't have to, but you kind of have to to do anything. So you had choice over making yourself Team Yoshi. Yes. Yeah, you could do Yoshi, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Toad, or Daisy. Those are your options. And it's okay. it's a big meta game. So you put this on, it's linked to your smartphone, you have it on your wrist the whole time, and every hour, everyone in the park competes. So if you're all Team Yoshi, you're trying to get more points than all the people on Team Daisy or all the people on Mario, and you see the scores updated live in the app. But there is a, there's a, a limitation when it comes to using these and the activities, because in order to play the Bowser Jr. boss battle, you have to have done three out of the four other mini games. Mm. But the problem is, is that there is no, like the, those mini games were not designed to move people through them. And this world, granted we were there opening day, but still it's gonna get a ton of traction or a ton of, uh, of traffic in it. This world was not designed to move people through it. The, the mini game activities themselves, one of them is just turning a crank for like 10, 15 seconds to keep a Goomba from running up and grabbing a coin. One of them is uh, you're hitting a bunch of tiles to turn them all green. One of them is you're tapping on the tops of these timers to keep the piranha plant from waking up. Uh, and one of them is you're shooting a turtle or hitting a pow block that makes a turtle shell hit um, a coin. And you wait an hour line for each of those. Ooh. And it is rough to do 13 seconds of spinning a crank. You yeah. wait in an hour line to do that. And you have to do three of those and you have to link it all to your band. Like your score gets reported into your band and linked to your app. And you have to get three of those in order to do the Bowser Jr. experience, which is you and like 15 other people all in this room has these like cameras and augmented reality that like shows you on a giant screen and you're like knocking turtle shells out of the way. You're knocking bombs out of the way. You're ducking and dodging bullet bills, grabbing power-ups and like throwing fire flowers. It's really cool. But yeah, it's locked behind you waiting in hours and hours of lines to do menial tasks that are kind of cool if they're quick things that you can walk up and do. But if they're things that you're waiting so long for, like it's, it's miserable. Yeah. This reminds me a lot 
of like the early days of Pokemon Go, where everyone was out in the streets, uh, streets catching Pokemon, except like it seems like the main fault with uh, this theme park is that because it's set in such an enclosed area, you don't have the kind of sheer scope of it's like city ground that people can kind of move throughout if they want to like, say, catch Pokemon or do menial tasks uh, in an area that isn't already occupied by other people. Like, it seems like this would really work if like the surface area of the park was so big that like you could guarantee that no single spot would be occupied by more than two people at the same time. Right. And that that's a lot of the, the headache of it is that like compared to Harry Potter world in that same park, there's Harry Potter world. And that is like a long stretch of of things it's kind of like a big hallway of hogsmeade buildings and things to do and this is a maybe the same volume but it's all one big circle it's all one big land so everyone's congregated in the middle of it and everyone's standing in a line that ambiguously goes to somewhere there are so many times where we're like where does this line go is this to see princess peach or is this to play the game um and and, and it really kind of puts a damper on your spirit when you walk out because no one's moving in these lines it's just a giant s s crowd of people standing still in the middle waiting for whatever line they're in to move um and then it turns into things like there are, there are question blocks and there are brick blocks for you to run up and punch with your power band to get coins or you know you're trying to punch every single block in the park to get a sticker that kind of thing and it turns into just, I'm waiting in this line, and then in about 20 minutes, I'll be close enough to that block that's waiting in line so I can finally hit it to mark it off the list. But I gotta wait for the kid who's been sitting there with his parents, he's five years old, and he's just sitting under the block, hitting it over and over, because there's a sticker if you hit 250 blocks. So he just hits it, and then he waits for it to reset, and then he hits it, and then there's like five of oh. us waiting in line, and we're just waiting for this kid to stop so we can get in there. It, so yeah. He wants that sticker, you know? Uh, but it's that's it's exactly what it is. We found ourselves obsessed yeah. with it. It's the achievements of the trophy system. He's a real system. sticker star <laughs> for the 3DS. So it's definitely um, it is a park that, on the surface, it wants you to interact with it multiple times. And like there there are achievements for beat the Piranha Plant encounter twice, beat it five times, beat it on the hardest difficulty, come back in October, come back in November, beat bowser's thing by grab beat the bowser's mario kart ride while also getting all of the question mystery question blocks in it like there it is meant to be replayed the whole thing is designed for it to be replayed but from a people standpoint it's impossible to play it like they want you to play it it's mm. tough because it still sounds conceptually really cool like the, the basic premise for this park is like what if hidden mickeys were like everywhere and were like the basis of so much of the way that you interacted with the park but the problem is is that because everybody knows that and because everybody is you know going after them at any given moment it's not that special anymore and they're not exactly hidden yeah there are a couple of things i'll, I'll mention too to even get down to the lower level the on opening day there was a huge line all the way to the front of the park and if you just wanted to go to the lower level, even to Jurassic World, you had to wait in that line because they didn't have the the volume to, to get people through there. But then there's an online reservation system in the app for Universal Studios where you literally reserve a time slot to go to Super Nintendo Land. They're controlling access specifically to Super Nintendo Land. And you can only go during that time slot unless you want to wait in long, line for a really long time to get in. And the problem with that is we went in there like around 10 o'clock, 10, 15 in the morning. 
and we were like, well, there's a two-hour wait for the Mario Kart ride. We should probably eat something before we get in line. Otherwise, we're going to be really hangry. So we wait in line for a few minutes to go to Toadstool Cafe. We're like, oh, this is a short line. No one's eating breakfast here at Toadstool Cafe. Turns out that was the line to get a little paper ticket that gave you a time to come back later that day to eat lunch. So we're like, like 2.30. You have to come back at 2.30 to eat your meal. And we're like, damn it. What are we going to do for four hours? Because if we leave Super Nintendo Land, we can't get back in without a reservation. Yeah. Luckily, we were able to like snag a reservation at 1230, like right when it showed up in the app. So that was, uh, but that's, you know, who knows if we didn't grab that, whether we'd be able to do that. But then you get in, you get in line for this Toadstool Cafe at 230. We didn't get to order our food. We stood in line to order food until 330. And then we sat down at the table and waited another hour to get food. We showed up for our reservation at 230. And we were eating at 4.30. Jesus. It, is, it was First day, it, though. Yeah, first day. The, the people in the kitchen, like one of the waitresses came out and she was just like, I don't know what the hell. Like the kitchen is being, we're slammed right now. And Jerrica and Audrey, like their food had not come out yet, but the rest of us did. She's like, just tell me everything that you got. I'll bring it. I'll make sure that's the next thing out of the kitchen. And she walks away and then their food actually does come out. And then she comes back with more food. So then we had so much food on this table because they're like, well, Whoa. if we bring this back, it's just going to go in the trash because we already brought it out. Yeah. So we ended up, I, I walked table to table, be like, y'all want cake? Y'all want soup? Y'all want two burgers? So Do y'all want? <laughs> how was so much the food extra. though? The food was incredible. it looked really oh good. Oh my God. <laughs> the cake, <laughs> the, the bean pot cake. Eaten. Oh, it, like that cake was one of the best desserts I've ever eaten. It's a, it's a layer cake with chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, and it, then matcha yeah, icing on top. That looked really good. Oh, it was incredible. And the, the Luigi burger is a chicken sandwich with pesto and like, has a big slice of green pepper on it. It was, a, oh, that was so good with garlic aioli fries. And, oh, uh, man. It, or no, not garlic aioli. It was a uh, truffle fries. Yeah, the food was incredible once you got it. But, I mean, if if we got there at 2.30 and we weren't eating till 4.30, I can't imagine people who had like a 4 or 5 o'clock reservation, whether they even got to eat at all. Who knows? You get to stay overnight. But there is like a cool experience where once you're actually seated in there, all of the windows are actually TVs, giant TVs, where mm. you can see out in the Mushroom Kingdom and you see like little toads all popping up doing whatever toads do in the Mushroom Kingdom. And then every like 20 or 30 minutes... Everything starts to get dim. There's like blue light that comes on. Storm clouds appear in Mushroom Kingdom, and then you hear the airship battle theme from Mario. <gasps> and then uh, you can you can see the airship coming in. He shoots bullet bills, and you see the bullet bills traveling through Toad Town, and Toads are like running everywhere. And you see them traveling from window to window by your table, and it, that was really cool. And then it just kind of clears up, and it's back to normal. Dinner with a show. Yeah, the, the food part of the experience being really good makes me really happy because you know that like 10, 15 years from now, they'll introduce a little bit of Metroid content and I'll be able to eat a Metroid, man. And it'll be <laughs> real tasty. Yeah. The food was fantastic. The biggest problem though, is that like, if you go in, if you get your reservation in the morning, like there, there is nowhere else to get anything to eat or drink inside that park except for Toastal Cafe. So you uh. have to leave that if you want to go get a pretzel or dr grab a drink or get candy or whatever it is. Like if you don't have a reservation to eat there, you will starve until you leave. And if you leave, there's a very good chance you're not getting back in. So that mm. sucks. That sucks a lot. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, overall, it, I mean, it was a blast. We did, we spent 12 hours in there that first day just because we're like, we want to make sure, and we only left to go get a pretzel because we had that reservation to come back almost immediately. So we only left to go get a pretzel and then we came back and we're like, we are not leaving till we've done everything we need to do here. Cause on the second day, we're like, we don't even want to deal with the madness of this on the weekend. So we did it like Harry Potter and everything else on the weekend, on the Saturday. Yeah. But it was a great time just not not well managed for people so I, I hope they redesign that and there are there are expansions that are going to be launched next year for the tokyo or the japan one universal japan has a donkey kong country that's opening next year it's like an offshoot of this and they have a minecart ride uh they've announced that in 2025 in the epic at universe park opening in orlando they will have nintendo world with the donkey kong ride along with a bunch of other stuff that's brand new to it too so uh, hopefully I'll be able to go to one of those because I want to ride that Donkey Kong stuff. I want it bad. That's it. That's my time in Super Nintendo. Oh, I got all sorts of cool stuff. Look, I got this Boo shirt. Oh, I didn't even talk about the Mario Kart ride. Mario Kart ride was dope, y'all. It, it, it is. Hell it is, yeah. So you're you're in a, uh, a buggy with three other people. So it's a four-person thing, two in the front, two in the back. You each have your own steering wheel, and you have this hat that you then click an AR visor into. So you have this little mm -hmm. clear screen that you can look through. And, of course, if you have a wristband, you can tap it to the steering wheel to track your progress and all the cool shit that you shoot in there and keep track of it time after time. And you hang on to these, and you bring them back next time, and it continues to accumulate. But it, it's a mix of three things. So there's, like, you go through, and there's real obviously in real life, like physical manifestations of these different environments and tracks that you're on. You're not moving very fast during it. You're maybe moving two or three miles an hour max, but you don't really notice that because of all the craziness that's going on in your headset. Hmm. So you're moving through that in the physical world. There's also giant LED screens along the wall to kind of sell those environments to you as you're going through the water world or you're going uh, through the desert or as you're going through Bowser's castle and that kind of stuff. But, uh, the AR part of it, the screen in front of you, is where you see all the Koopa Kids, and you're trying to shoot the Koopa Kids. So you have your your steering wheel that, as you go the turns, you have to drift by turning the steering wheel, hit the buttons to shoot turtle shells at them, or when Bowser comes up, you try to shoot Bowser. Uh, as I mentioned, there are like secret question mark blocks that, like, if you like look and crane your neck up and to the right in certain areas, you can shoot that block, and that's all done again with with tracking your head. So wherever you're looking, that's mm. where you're shooting too, which is really cool. But that's frantic. That's frenetic. So it feels like you're going a lot faster, especially on like things like Rainbow Road and stuff like that. It feels like you're really going fast, even though your car is literally like you could walk so much faster than your car is going. <laughs> but it it was really cool, and uh, the the whole experience of the line too was was pretty dope. Once you get about halfway through the line, you're like going through the innards of the castle and watching bombs get made on these like the screens. You're watching the bombs get made and like the little mechanical Bowser bombs get made, and they're all on LED screens as you were kind of walking by them. But the screens are using, I guess, similar to 3DS technology where they're 3D without needing glasses. And so it, it was really cool to, to kind of have that experience in the line. But it's dope. It's so much fun. And Joel in the chat, yeah, he he, uh, he did not tap his wristband on the cart long enough on the first round. So his progress did not track with him. But it was a good time. It was a good time. That's it. Let's, how long have we been going? Six hours now? Yeah, we are almost yeah, an hour and a half a into this. Well thing. over an hour. Yeah. If you need to skip some of these stories, bro, go right ahead. Well, let's just run through. We'll just yeah, run through pretty quick. Let's speed round him. Yeah. Speed round him. We got three let's quests go. on the quest log this time. Real Konami remakes, says Oisin Kunki at GameSpot. 
I assume that's how you say that person's name. According to Andy Robinson, speaking to the VGC podcast, Konami is planning to have a pretty big E3, in quotes, claiming that a new Castlevania is set to appear alongside the much-rumored Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, Adam. Mm-hmm. Quote, there's a new Castlevania in addition to the Dead Cells DLC that they announced at the Game Awards, Robinson explained. And there's this much just and there's this much discussed Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, which I also expect them to finally show. Um, in terms of the other older Metal Gear Solid games potentially being playable on modern platforms, Robinson said that as of one year one year or two years ago, being able to do so in some shape or form was in the cards, but it's now less clear what the situation is. Quote I would imagine that Metal Gear Solid 3, the remake, is going to be somewhat of a test bed for that. This particular news story is weird to me because I feel like over the past few weeks, we've been hearing about how every major publisher in the industry is like, I don't know if I want to get in bed with E3. I don't know if it's worth doing that. And yet Konami coming out being like, well, not coming out. This is all rumored. We don't actually know what Konami's plans actually are. But hearing that Konami is apparently planning on having a big E3 feels weird. That being said, all the Metal Gear Solid, again, rumored speculated news here sounds correct we've talked about this in the past like even if all the rumors and speculation about metal gear solid 3 being remade uh up until this point have been like entirely false and just rumors and speculation like there's no universe in which you thoroughly reboot silent hill and don't do anything with metal gear solid if you're konami this is gonna happen at some point i'm just a little confused that it's happening by way of e3 yeah, this this is to me. It's surprising that it's Metal Gear Solid Three in particular because I feel like we've heard rumors about Metal Gear Solid One remake, and that's the one that desperately needs it most. Like the others can, they have HD versions that we just need to make on modern platforms, PlayStation wise. Xbox, you can still play them. Um, so yeah, the fact that Three would be the the test bed for that is interesting to me. But I feel like E Three, I would not be surprised if what's the name of the rocket? What's the name of the people running E Three now? Uh, pop, pop, read, pop, pop, uh, read, pop, read, something like that. Yeah. Read, pop. I would not be surprised if they are like clawing at whatever they can get. They probably went to Konami like, please, dear God, can you show something at E3? Um, because the big three aren't going to be there. Read, pop, read, pop, read, pop. So it doesn't surprise me that they're looking to get stuff like this for E3 just to have any kind of big announcements. Two things. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in New Castlevania. That'd be cool. Whatever that yeah. ends up being. Yeah. Um, and then the whole rumor about the studio named Virtuous that was supposed to be working on the remake. It's all funny because the first mission, the game's called Virtuous Mission. Random we, aside. Did oh, we ahead. talk about this during the uh, Barf episode that we did on MGS three about maybe Virtuous the studio? I remember we talked about yeah. Virtuous, Vir- whatever it, their name is. If if I didn't say it on the episode, I looked into this and like apparently they've been called Virtuous for like quite some time now. Like well, I was going like, to say Marvel's Midnight Suns, they literally are in the credits because they worked on Marvel's Midnight Suns. Right. Like, that, it's their whole deal is that they do like they yeah. do a lot of work on like a lot of like major first and third party studios. Yeah. Like they've had their hands in like Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel's Midnight Suns, like games of that nature. Yeah. Which is just funny that I noticed them after talking about this story for so long. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't give a shit about Metal Gear Solid 3, but Castlevania, very excited. Yep, same Z's. Mario says, see my movie. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my Mario voice. See my movie. I'm Italian. 
But don't expect to see me this summer in person, says Cat Bailey at IGN. After reports that all three major platform holders were skipping E3, Nintendo has confirmed to IGN that it will indeed be missing the event slated for June. Quote, we approach our involvement in any event on a case-by-case basis and are always considering various ways to engage with our fans, Nintendo told IGN. Quote, since this year's E3 show didn't fit into our plans, we have made the decision not to participate. However, we've been, we have been and continue to be a strong supporter of the ESA and E3. Uh, we know that E3 2023 is happening June 13th to June 16th at the LA Convention Center, but it is unclear whether they're going to have a Nintendo Direct kind of around that as it has in previous years. Mm-hmm. Writing was maybe, on the wall. Maybe Reed Pop, like maybe Reed Pop is really kind of like scheming and machinating here. Maybe their plan is we'll only invite Konami back in and we'll have Konami announce a bunch of megaton announcements that you would never in a million years expect them to make. And that will drum up excitement for E3 and kind of get it off the ground for subsequent years. Maybe that's what's going on. Konami and Ubisoft, if it happens, they still not sure. (laughs) (laughs) If E3 is happening, we'll be there. (laughs) What a wild quote. Uh, Yep. So don't see, don't, don't look for Mario there. Although didn't last year or no year before, there was one year where Nintendo had a treehouse, but they didn't have a direct or something like that, and they didn't have any presence there. I feel like this they've been moving away from E3 for a while. Mm. Yeah, I feel like they, I mean, they've been on that show floor in forever, right? Or maybe that was the treehouse thing you're thinking about. I don't, I don't know. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> in 2023? Cameron Coke? Cock? Koch? GameSpot. Uh, Mortal Kombat 12, the long-rumored but yet-to-be-officially-announced game, has been confirmed in Warner Bros. Discovery's fourth quarter 2022 earnings call and is set to release later this year. David Zaslav of Warner Bros. Discovery's president and CEO announced that the game announced the game in a segment discussing the company's games business. He stated, Mortal Kombat 12, along with Rocksteady's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, are both set to arrive later this year with ambitious launch projections. NetherRealm Studios, the developer behind Mortal Kombat, has yet to comment on the matter officially. Anecdotally, I've been right beside NetherRealm Studios to return my RCN cable modem when I moved out of Chicago because they're right next to an RCN place. (laughs) Very fancy. I will say, I think Warner Bros. is going to have a big year. Um, Hogwarts has sold extremely well. People will get hyped as hell for Mortal Kombat. And then... Regardless of how Suicide Scott, whatever, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Scott, however the game turns out, it'll probably sell well because it's rock steady and people are like, I know what Suicide Squad is. I think this Warner Brothers company is uh, going to do some big things in the future. How? I don't know if y'all talked about it. No, this was after y'all's podcast last week and I haven't listened to it yet. But like Hogwarts Legacy in two weeks selling more than any other Warner Bros game. That's more than any yeah. Batman game. That's wild. wild. That's yeah. wild. People like Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. I'm shocked at the numbers too, though. Like, I expected it to do well, but not like the best ever. Yeah. But hey. All right. We've already done our segment from Adam. So let's wrap up today with Game on Game Show. The Game on our Game Show. We play a game called Game on the Gaming Show on our Game Show. Game, 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 game. Alex is back with another TMI with NPD. <laughs> That's right, Chad. The way this is. Hold on. I went too fast and I got real screwed up. Let me start again. 
TMI with NPD. This is the game on game show where I read off the 10 best selling games uh, of a particular year per the NPD group. And this year we are doing the year 2000. Uh, as usual, I will be reading out a series of clues of increasing specificity for each numbered game on the list, and the two of you will have uh, two chances to guess what you believe each game is for each particular entry. You guess it right, you get a point, uh, you guess it wrong, and you don't get anything. All right, are we ready to go? Yes. Go for it. All right. The number 10 best-selling game of the year 2000, per the NPD group, is a returning contender from a previous list that we've covered on this segment. It was significantly inspired by a popular anime. It features a dastardly duo known for blasting off Pokemon again. Red, Blue, Yellow. I, they, we kind of included them all in one last time, didn't we? I don't appreciate the lack of specificity there. Pokemon I'm Blue. Say that Pokemon that's Blue. Incorrect. Uh, that is wrong as well. Pokemon Red. <laughs> that is wrong. Uh, Pokemon Yellow. That is correct. Son of a Adam, bitch. Adam, you have one point. Oh, and I should have said this at the front. You guys uh, should be keeping track of what your Always. scores are. Always. Perfect. Oh, my God. All right. I had that. I had that. Damn it. <sighs> number nine. The number nine best-selling game of the year 2000 is an acclaimed sequel. It's a PC game that could be played solo or Diablo cooperatively. Two. That is correct. Bam, hmm. suck it, Adam. Oh, yeah, good on you. Oh, oh, who's going to lose today? Probably still me. <laughs> All right. Number eight is a non-sports game published by EA. It was developed by Maxis Games. It is a game. The Sims? That is correct. The original Sims. Oh, but. All right. We played this in school. So, yeah, 2000 sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Number seven is an acclaimed sequel to a popular RPG. You can traverse whirlpools in this game. Its box art features a famous palindrome and it's a Game Boy Color game. What? Allow me to read the clues over again. It's an acclaimed sequel to a popular RPG. You can traverse whirlpools in this game. Its box art features a famous video game palindrome, and it's a Game Boy Color game. Dragon Warrior 3? That is incorrect. Another guess, Chad. I have no freaking clue. Because I'm going to pass it, but I just need you to fail first before I do that. <laughs> the palindrome is really throwing me. Yeah, right. 
Give mm, my color. Whirlpools. Blah, blah, blah. Whirlpools. All right. I'm just yeah. going to go ahead and reveal Wait, the answer. The it. answer that I was looking for was Pokemon Gold, which features the Pokemon Ho-Oh, spelt H-O-O-H oh. on the cover of it. Okay, okay, gotcha. okay, okay. Was that a Game Boy Color only? It was... I mean, I wouldn't get it either tell, way, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but. anyways. All right. Number six is a sequel to a Nintendo 64 game. In this game, you can use flowers to fly high in the air. You can acquire spikes. Majora's Mask? That Damn is it. correct. Damn it. All right. Number five is another acclaimed sequel to a popular RPG. Pokemon, Pokemon Silver. Silver. That is correct. I'll give both of you this one because no, you feel no, bad about me. the Pokemon I Go. It. I definitely said it first. No, yeah, not both on of my you end. Get a point. Not on my, I'm going to manipulate the audio. <laughs> do Throw off the whole podcast. For that. All right. Number four is an unorthodox sports game. It's a sequel to another popular yet unorthodox sports game. It features a pastime that's not a crime, man. And you can play as Spider-Man in this game. Tony Hawk's Hawk Skater too. 2. Oh, I was first on that one. That no, you were not. I was first correct. on that one. No, I was not. I have to be honest, Chad. I think that Adam no. spoke just no. a yourself. little bit no. earlier. Ah, no. Oh, my God. If y'all could see what I see. <laughs> oh, my God. Me and him All just see right. the different thing for some reason. Huh? Y'all are just like, y'all are in on it together. Y'all are in on That's it together. It That's what it is. Damn it. Number three is another EA game. It's a franchise that we've seen before. on Mad 2001. That is correct. <laughs> I hate you so much. Chad, go ahead and take your Tony Hawk Pro Skater point. I'll, I'll let you have that point as well. I'm taking I've it. got six. I'm taking it. I'm not too proud to take it. Go for y it. You can, for the record, you also have that point, but uh, Adam has his point for that one as well. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely keeping the point. I'm not yeah. getting the point. <laughs> okay. All right. The number two. NHL 2021. Best. I mean, 2001. <laughs> that is incorrect. Damn it. Uh, the number two best-selling game of the year 2000 belongs to another franchise. Uh, sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on. Got a little tripped up there. Belongs to the same franchise as another game we've already discussed. It doesn't have a number or a color in its title. Its multiplayer mode features game modes like Graffiti, Trick Attack, or Horse... That's what one of them is called. It's straight up called Horse. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1? That is correct. What? That's wild. I didn't and realize for, that for the record, it, it's so just so called Tony Hawk Pro Skater. It doesn't have yeah, one in the title, Skater. which is how yeah. it works with my clues. All right. And here we go. And finally, the number one best-selling game of the year 2000, per the NPD group, is a game that was co-developed by Nintendo EAD and HAL Laboratory. Super Smash Brothers? That is incorrect. Oh, oh okay. suck it. <laughs> it's one of the few games 
that took advantage of the N64 transfer pack. It's perhaps best remembered for its eclectic minigames, and its name features the singular version of Google's Stadia. Pokemon Stadium? Pokemon Stadium, fuck me! Fuck! <laughs> I'm sorry, Chad, but Adam that got was, it correct. That was Adam, it that was definitely Adam. Pokemon Stadium. And not a lot of people <sighs> know that Pokemon Stadium was actually developed by Nintendo EAD and HAL Laboratory, the Ooh. former responsible for basically every like mainline Mario game, which is Pokemon why... Pokemon had a big man. year, man. Yeah, Shit. why Pokemon Stadium was kind of as revered and remembered as it was. Um, I got nine points. How many you got, Adam? You, don't. you got you got eight, I eight points. I have I've eight got, points. Yeah, and you I've skipped nine, one. Though. I've got we nine. We skipped one. That's literally incorrect. Yeah, that's the one I didn't get. Yeah. That's... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so that uh, closes out the year two thousand. That also closes out basically the like PlayStation One, Nintendo sixty four era. Real interesting because yeah. if you go back and look back on like the you know prior top ten lists from the prior five years, there are like. Very, very few PlayStation 1 exclusive games that make their way into those top 10 lists, even though like most would agree that like the PlayStation 1 kind of won the console war for that particular generation. That was the generation where your parents that didn't know any better went from going, can you stop playing the Nintendo to can you stop playing the PlayStation? Uh, and yet, despite that, like Nintendo 64 games, even things like Pokemon Stadium, which you you wouldn't think were like that successful like dominated the lists so you know what these, these lists tell me is that i mean we already knew that because we grew up in that era but pokemon really just fucking dominated everything yeah like if you weren't like the fact that stadium is the number one selling game of the year in 2000 tells you how much people cared about pokemon yeah i didn't even buy it i just rented it at a blockbuster same <laughs> imagine yeah if, if there were that many people that rented it and imagine how many people actually bought it then that's yeah. wild yeah. Well, thank you, Alex. Uh, real quick. Yeah. Sorry, just real quick. Uh, some highlights from uh, the rest of the list past the number 10 spot. Uh, in the number 11 slot, uh, you have Perfect Dark. Uh, mm-hmm. In the number 15 spot, uh, you have Gran Turismo 2. Um, in the 17th spot, you have Donkey Kong 64 hanging on a little bit from last year. Uh, and in the number 20th spot, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Good for Making them. a name for itself. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be uh, as we start getting into the Call of Duties. Like I'm trying to, uh, was it World at War? Was it Modern Warfare Two? Was it Modern Warfare Two? The other one? Was it Modern Warfare? Was it Modern Warfare? The other one? Like that's gonna. This is gonna start to get, to get a lot more confusing. We have two or three Call of Duties on every list. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. I will say we're still a few years away from the yeah, Call of Duties. Yeah. Really, oh, I know when it starts. These lists. <laughs> I'm gonna this have to. I'm gonna have to do some research. I'm not gonna look at those lists. I just gotta go back and see what was released in these years. Just the. Mm. Let's just say Xbox 360 launched with a Call of Duty that was a huge deal. Mm. We'll I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I was not paying attention to Call of Duty back then. Not that I pay attention to it a ton now, but. Thank you, Alex, for TMI with MPD. Always a fun time. That's it for Game on Game Show and almost it for our podcast. We've got a, a cool little twist here to show you. As we mentioned, it's been six years since we started. We've maybe had a Patreon for three years, I think, now. Uh, and we're, we're going we're gonna to change some stuff up. We're going to do some cool things. The first is, that we're going to reveal today, 
is barf. And then we have other Patreon changes coming in the coming weeks and months. So barf, backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. Traditionally, it's been something that our patrons, we give them four games and we let our patrons choose the game that we vote, or that we play that month. We're gonna, we're going to democratize that process a little bit. It's still a perk that's heavily weighted towards patrons. So if you'd like to have a lot of influence, go be a patron, a patron over at patreon.com slash fire. But we are going to introduce a little bit of chaos into it. Uh, we are simultaneously going forward, uh, unless it turns out that this doesn't work well and things lit on fire, then we'll change up. But going forward, we're simultaneously going to launch a poll on Patreon and the same poll on Twitter. And the public poll on Twitter, whoever wins that will get one vote towards the Patreon poll. So that will hopefully help be a tiebreaker or maybe make the race a little bit more neck and neck in some cases. So the, the outcome of that will influence the Patreon poll. Uh, but if you still want a heavier weighted vote, definitely go to patreon.com slash fire. So that helps widen that a little bit. We've got hundreds of you who interact with, have who follow us on Twitter. Uh, that gives you a little bit more of an opportunity to play along. There are other additional cool perks to being a Patreon supporter that are coming in the weeks and months ahead that we are finalizing even as, as soon as right after this call is over. Um, so keep an eye out for those. We're going to have all sorts of different new amazing ways for you all to be supported as you support us. So that's really exciting. As a reminder, this month's Patreon or this month's barf game is Doom Eternal. We are tentatively right now, I think we are scheduled for next Sunday to record that. So if you have thoughts on Doom and or Doom Eternal specifically, and you would like to be involved, come on the show. Let us know. Send us a message. Um, it, or if you have thoughts on the game, send us a, an email with your thoughts on the game and we'll integrate it into our show. That's it for now. Look for more coming up soon. Alex, you look like you really want to say something. No, I'm just vibing around, vibing along. Vibing. You see me vibing. That's it, everyone. Uh, thank you, Alex, for being here uh, as a rap regular. Thanks for bringing thank you. The, the Game on Game Show this week, too. Um, where would you like people to interact with you in the future? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Alex Kazina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. Uh, I'm taking uh, a break from Twitch for the time being. Uh, so follow me on Twitter. See what I'm, see what I'm up to there. Dope. Spoilers, cross-country skiing. Hell You're yeah. all the way across Canada on skis. Wow. That, that would be a really fun, a really fun idea. It would take months though. That's the problem, right? It. Is that you would have to start you would have to start like in the middle of December when the snow would first start falling and you would have to like really like hustle so that you can get to the end of the country by the end of February when like the snow season ends. It's a cool idea though. That's the so technically cross-country skiing anywhere else is a lie because there's no way that you can make it from one side of the u.s to the other side of the u.s on skis there's just no yeah. there's no continuous stream of snow at any given time unless you do it all within a day way up north maybe after like a tight like not a tight you'd have to like yeah go across the lakes and like stay at the top of fucking north dakota and shit like yeah so i don't know if water skis and snow skis are similar enough but like can you start in the new england area and then just hook grab onto the back of a boat and water ski across the great lakes 
get back on the snow in Michigan, water ski across the other Great Lake, and then regular snow ski the rest of the way. Is that is that a thing? I, I love that idea, but it would have to be like an instantaneous thing where like my my skis would reconfigure themselves midair or midwater to become water skis or whatever. Well, man, just skis. make a new types of new type of skis that does both. Why not both? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. I'll see. I'll see what I can <laughs> thank do. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of thank you, thank you everyone for listening. Until next time, here's our usual sign off. Here's my Mario voice. I like spaghetti.